Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Dominic Sotiny to my Dominic Solanke. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Can you tell uh, I'm really running out of these ideas when you're having to do them twice a week for... How long have we been doing this now? For two and a half months nearly? It, it, two and a half months? Two and a half years? Two and a half years, sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it really uh, starts to take its toll and you've really got to, you know, scrape the bottom of the barrel. Either way, Justin, how are you? I'm, I'm very good. Um, I've, I've absolutely destroyed my shoulder, I won't be honest. I'm in a lot Ooh. of pain, so if I, I, I start to tear up at some point in this uh, episode, then please carry how on. How have you done that? Um, attempting a, a certain type of lift at CrossFit, just absolutely pinged and nearly dropped the barbell on my head which was uh an experience oh how is crossfit yeah. you've been doing it for quite some time now haven't you it, it's really fun apart from the times where your body goes no and then you need to drop a barbell on your head but it's really fun everyone everyone should try it absolutely it sounds really fun up until the point where you have to do exercise and then i'm starting to not really enjoy it as much it's as close to like throwing up as i get without like feeling poorly how's that it can't be a certain type of character i think you've got to really enjoy the pain apart from this pain that i'm in now i'm not enjoying that i was gonna say (laughs) welcome to the number one championship specific podcast ladies and gentlemen second tier thank you for joining us wherever you are on today's show we're going to look ahead to some of the big games coming up in the championship this weekend talk about some of the news from the past few days and then finish off with the controversial as ever simon grayson's not the simon grayson's hateful eight the craig bryson pub quiz but before we get underway dear listener let me tell you about our friends at fans bet the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans you can get a terrific welcome offer of bet 10 get 10 when you sign up at fansbet.com terms and restrictions apply full details on site 18 plus please do gamble responsibly and visit begamblerware.org for more info and do also check out fans bet responsible gambling tools we've been contributing to their social media content recently so for more views and opinions from us make sure you follow them at fansbet but without further ado justin let us kick off with talking about one of the biggest games in the championship this weekend but also one of the biggest games in the championship probably all season because it's the two favorites for the title in pre-season facing off against each other it's fulham v west brom and justin in the grand scheme of things this could be a massive massive game it's a, it's a tasty one as well, but as you quite rightly say, it's a, it's a massive game for both sides because I don't think, I know um, both sides have lost games, but they've they've lost in playing poorly themselves. Whereas in this case, uh, in this fixture, they're coming up against either side that 
can match them for quality. Um, and that's no disrespect to the other championship teams. I just think their streets had in terms of the players and, and, and depth that they've got. So coming up against each other in this game, it's, yeah, it's a massive one. And whoever wins three points is going to put a statement down to the rest of the league. I know they're not, neither one of them are top, but that second place at the moment is up for grabs. Obviously Bournemouth running away with, with, uh, with, with top of the league at the moment. But yeah, big, big game. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, well, it's a massive game for both sides. Both teams will be desperate not to lose, won't they? And I'd possibly go even as far to say a draw could possibly suit both of them. Um, one team it would suit even more, though, would be Bournemouth, who could potentially be seven <laughs> points clear at the top of the table after this weekend, which is a massive gap after just 15 games, isn't it? But going back to this game, Justin, I find it really hard to call because, as you say, both teams have picked up recently after dodgy runs of form. And in terms of quality, they're both on a level par, aren't they? So picking, picking apart these two is proving to be really difficult for me. Um, yeah, it, it is. I think the reason why I pause there is because I think Fulham have just started to pick up and it, you go to that Forest game on Sunday, they didn't play particularly well, but they won 4-0. Um, so when you're not at the top of your game and you're still putting four past teams, yeah, you're, you're a decent side. And West Brom, again, they've started to pick up as well. They're starting to, they absolutely hammered Bristol City. They, they've got into this groove again where they're absolutely battering teams, which is a, a healthy habit to have. So, it's incredibly difficult to call. I'm just looking at the past six fixtures that stretch back to 2013. Only one of them has ended up with either side winning, and that was Fulham beating West Brom 2-0 in 2020. The rest have been draws. So might tell you yeah, exactly what's, what's what's going to happen in this game as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard one to call. It's an exciting game. On that basis, it's going to end 0-0. Yes. Nice. <laughs> that, that, that does tend to be the case of what happens, though. When two very good defensive teams come up against each other it usually just does settle for a stalemate at the end day doesn't it and I think mm. um, obviously Alexander Mitrovic is the main goal threat for Fulham but West Brom will be very keen to keep a tight leash on him and when you've got three very good centre halves you know all got their eyes focused on him it's going to be difficult for him to try and find any space in the uh, West Brom box and on the other side of things Fulham very good at keeping the ball and that's going to bring me on to my next point Justin when you talk about how good these two teams are the interesting thing is they're two completely opposite styles of play aren't they Fulham like to play the ball around on the deck while West Brom as we mentioned plenty of times this season aren't afraid to go a bit route one are they so that's going to be another interesting aspect of it yeah, the, the style of plays do clash massively, but I think the, the turning point with West Brom at the moment is they're starting to be a little bit more creative with the ball on on the deck, and it's getting the best out of certain certain players that they've got, very technical players with the ball at their feet rather than running into space. Um, and that sort of variation, I think, could prove to to be in Fulham's favour. I think going a lot more direct against Fulham might be might be an advantage to West Brom because Fulham, any possession team, they'll play a high line. So naturally, Fulham will play high line, and and West Brom. That means there's space in behind Fulham to attack, and then going on uh, onto Fulham, they're coming up against a side who there aren't many teams like um, like West Brom in the league. I think Coventry, in terms of their press, are, are as, as close as they get, and they got absolutely hammered against Coventry. So how how Fulham handle that press as well is going to be interesting. So tactical battle as well. It's it's up in the air. It's, it's so hard to to separate the sides. Yeah, I think if I had to pick a winner 
because um, I think if I had to go for a score prediction, I would say draw. But if I had to pick a winner, I probably would say West Brom, just because I think their style of play suits occasions like this more often. So when it's tight games where they are coming up against a team with a similar amount of quality to them, being a bit more shit house is, uh, <laughs> I think, going to be in their favour, really. Um, so if I had to edge towards one team, I would go for West Brom. But if I could get a score prediction from you, Justin? I'm going to go 2-2. I think Fulham, are, I think Fulham have scored... Uh, two goals uh, in five of the last six home games at least two goals so there's going to be goals in this one at 2-2 yeah I don't think there will be goals in it I'm going to go nil-nil I I just can just see both sides cancelling each other out and it being a rather dull game but possibly one side edging it and I'm thinking West Brom may possibly that be that side. Justin, let's go to Stoke v Cardiff, which is the first match in the post Mitt McCarthy era. Steve Morrison is going to be in charge of Cardiff for this game, the ex-Millwall striker. And I'll tell you what, Justin, I look at this and think it could be potentially an audition for the job for him. Do you think? I think it absolutely is. I think Cardiff find themselves in this position where... They're at the wrong end of a uh, of a transition, aren't they? They're coming out of this direct football era of the likes of Warnock and McCarthy. Um, they need to head in a new direction, and having a young, fresh, vibrant manager is is that uh, is that direction. I think that should be the direction. I should say. So Steve Morrison, absolutely good good time for him to to really stake his claim for the manager's job and and going up against Stoke. It's a Stoke have a very good home record. Cardiff have a poor record in general so how 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 they set up is going to be interesting um and and how they go at cardiff is going to be interesting because we've seen cardiff um sit back sit deep don't really press don't really engage opposition so how he tweaks that and how he changes it yeah really looking forward to seeing how what, what his style of play is what what he wants to bring to a side well, considering we've watched plenty of Steve Morrison in our years, Justin, as championship fans, you've got to suspect that he does play a certain kind of way that he's kind of played throughout his career. So I imagine it will be direct unless he really springs a surprise and he's actually a ticky tacker mastermind. <laughs> but apparently he's got a very good record in charge of the under-23s at Cardiff. So maybe he has got some managerial pedigree under his belt and that could stand him in good stead for the Cardiff job. But you're quite right, Cardiff fans keep saying to us they want a fresh face in charge. They don't want, you know, a Mick McCarthy, a Neil Warnock or a Chris Hewton, as I found out on social media this week. <laughs> they, they want a young manager um, and someone new, someone fresh to take charge of the club and really take him in a, in a new direction. As you say, I can't imagine Steve Morrison is going to play anything other than a direct style of football, I've got to say, unless, well, we saw with Rooney that he's uh, he, he's got more emphasis on defence than uh, than uh, yeah. going forwards in a recent time with Derby. So maybe he will surprise us, but we'll, we'll wait and see on that front. But it's definitely a, a you know a, an audition for the job, isn't it? Because uh, Cardiff's financial situation as well, which is something that we've kind of neglected, really. They're in a bit of a sticky situation themselves. So I always say this, if you're bringing in, if you're promoting a coach from the backroom staff to manage it, then it is usually the cheap option. And Steve Morrison would be a good cheap option if he turns out to be a good manager. So if he gets a few wins on the board in his time in charge of uh, the Cardiff first team, then why not? Let's give him a go. Um, But Stoke would have come into this game rubbing their hands together, wouldn't they? Because they've just lost three on the bounce. 
and they're now facing a team who have lost eight straight games. But now they're facing a side with the possibility of having to deal with the new manager bounce, which isn't ideal for Michael O'Neill's team. But what have you made of Stoke in these three games that they have lost? Are there still signs of encouragement, or do you think this is a time to worry about the Potters? I think there's a bit of both. I think the encouragement aspect is that They've gone ahead in, in two of those last three games. Uh, go back to Sheffield United, they should have seen that game out. It was that late collapse that cost them a point and three points. Um, and then you go back to the game, I, I can't remember who it was now, it, just at the weekend, Sawyer's obviously scored. It was Millwall, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it Millwall? Yeah, it yeah. was Millwall. Um, and then, yeah, they, they take the lead again and then uh, poor defensive errors. I mean, Bradshaw was on mark twice. That's that's the worry there. That's the worry that they're, they're dropping points from leading positions. They're showing signs that they they, they, might, they might be a soft touch, which for a team like Cardiff, who have got experienced pros, they're going to try and exploit that. They're going to try and make it difficult. So there are signs of encouragement in the sense that they are still taking the lead. They are still creating chances. But the disappointing thing that they should be worried about is they're throwing them away. That's That's the worry. But... This is a good game. It's an uncomfortable game, I think, for Michael O'Neill because of that factor that, that you've mentioned about Steve Morrison, new manager. The the straight eight straight losses can't can't carry on, can it? Can't go to nine. Has to stop somewhere, and this this might be the game. So, what's your score prediction then? What are you thinking, Justin? Uh, the, this is probably the hardest one to predict this weekend. Um, I don't know. I, I one nil Stoke. One nil Stoke. I, I think a draw would possibly suit both sides just so it stops this poor run that Stoke have been on and well, poor run that Cardiff have been on as well and I think Steve Morrison away at a team that have been in the playoffs for most of the season getting a point there in his first managerial job I don't think it'd be a bad result for them so yeah I'd go for one all draw why not Bristol City v Barnsley Justin could this be a historic moment in championship history as Bristol City, without a win at home since January, is this a game where that run finally ends? It's got to, hasn't it? I don't think so. <laughs> no. Really? I, d I don't know because, again, there are so many factors coming into this game. Barnsley have started to, to improve over the last couple of games. You look at that late... Um, late uh, drive against Sheffield United 3-0 down and bring it back to 3-2 there's there's chances there they create they create chances in their defeat to Reading they, they, they are improving they are, there are signs of life at Barnsley it's also worth mentioning that Barnsley haven't won an away game all season either so both sides coming into this game in the respective home and away away form both terrible um, but as I say that there, there are signs of life at Barnsley there are signs of life under Marcus Shop. I know Barnsley fans might not agree but there have been small improvements. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be the time for Bristol City. I I disagree with you. I think while Barnsley have certainly been a bit more attacking and have been creating more chances for themselves, that has meant that they've been more open at the back. So I'm not sure they've been playing better. I think they've just changed the game a bit. And at the end of the day, the results are still the same, aren't they? So it would be interesting to see how Marcus Shop approaches the game. I mean, new signings to Vanti Cole and Aaron Aseka both came off the bench and scored against Sheffield United. So it gives Marcus Shop food for thought on that basis. But either way, I'd still think Bristol City should be looking at this game as a must-win game. They have been so close to a win at home for quite some time. Despite not winning, they've been at the very least competitive in pretty much every home game um, this season. 
and you don't get much closer than that ridiculous Forest game <laughs> from last week. So, yeah, 100%. Bristol City should be coming into this, no matter what Barnsley are doing recently, and be thinking, yes, we need to be getting three points here. But if Barnsley were to win, though, or maybe even get a draw, then I, I could really see the pressure building on Nigel Pearson. And I know we were saying um, about fans calling for him to be sacked in the weekend show, saying it was ridiculous. But if Bristol City don't win here, it would be a really, really poor result for them, won't it? it? It would be a poor result, but I don't think it's as simple as that under Nigel Pearson. I think you look at what's happened over the last week or so. Paul Simpson and Keith Downey both left coaching positions, which means they might be committing long-term to, to, to the Nigel Pearson era. Nigel Pearson hasn't had any money to spend. He's got old squads that he's, that he's using. I know he's brought in Danny Simpson, Matty James, Andy King. I'm trying to think of any more that he's brought in. But he, he's brought in players that he knows. He's not been able to spend money. They're all free transfers. Um, I know there's a lot of talent there, but I mean, they went into the season with just Chris Martin, Andy Vyman and, and Nike Wells as, as, their, as their three forwards. Both all 30, over 30, I think. Um, so yeah, there's, there's just... There's a lot of factors at Bristol City, which I don't think it's just as simple as just sacking a manager because if they keep going through that cycle, they're not going to improve over time. I think Nigel Pearson's just got to ride out this rough patch, ease into a transition, and then he's going to leave the club in a better place than when he found it. The, the thing is, they could be 20th after this weekend if they don't get a positive result here. So I think they've definitely got to get a result and I, I think there'd be every excuse for Bristol City fans to be frustrated and possibly be calling for Nigel Pearson to go if they don't get a result here because while they are in a transition, I can fully accept that. That would be a sign that things really aren't going well and plus, you know, winning, not winning at home since January is just poor in general, isn't it? But either way, Justin, can I get a score prediction from you? I'm I'm going to go one one. I'm actually um, yeah going to sit on the fence here. Both records are terrible, aren't they? Both home and away, so 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 hard to call these two. I'll go two one for Bristol City. Surely this is the end of the barren spell at Ashton Gate. I've got full faith that if it doesn't end here, then something has scarcely gone wrong. Uh, final game we'll look at for this weekend, Justin, is QPR v Forest, which is a very tasty game in its own right. Both teams we thought would be in or around the playoffs at the start of the season. Um, I still can't work out if this Forest side is the real deal because, as I was previously saying, um, the wins that they picked up before that Fulham game at the weekend were against teams who weren't in the best of states. And that Fulham game didn't really tell me too much because Fulham, I don't think, were great despite winning 4-0. I think the scoreline flattered them. I completely agree with you there. So from a Forest perspective, I'm not sure really what to think. But this is another game which will give us a bit of an idea of where they are at. I think you've nailed it. This is this is probably the game where you go right. Are Steve Cooper side up for it? Are they are they playoff potential? Can they are they the real deal essentially? Um, because this QPR side's a very good mix of a team that should be competing in the top six, but also they've got clear weaknesses that they need to work on. So yeah, this is a very good a very good. Uh, audition for the playoffs I think for Forrest and Steve Cooper and it will tell you exactly where they are if they if they get battered for example um, then that tells you that there's a lot of work to do or if they or if they beat QPR then that then you go and you, that's when you stand up and take notice and, and think right yeah this 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 might be uh, a very positive season for Forrest after such a bad start um, but obviously things aren't as easy as that QPR 
are riding a bit of a wave at the moment. They're going up and down, and it's very hard to predict in terms of what team turns up, essentially. Yeah, they're proven to be a bit unpredictable at times, aren't they? Because they were ticking along quite nicely um, and were statistically facing the tougher teams in the division compared to where they are in the table. But then that loss to Peterborough at the weekend was very disappointing, it's got Mm -hmm. to be said. So, yeah, both teams... Don't, not really sure where they stand heading into this game, but Sam Field is in contention to return to the QPR squad after missing the first few months of the season through injury. So that's an, a nice little boost for them. Score prediction, please, Justin. Um, I'm going to go. Oh, I'm going to go two 0 Forest. Ooh, I I'll go for a two all draw. I'm going to be firmly set on the fence with splinters in my arse. Thank you very much. Right, Justin, let's have a little break. After that, we'll talk about some of the news from the past few days. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. And of course, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. Um, I'll be honest with you, Justin, there hasn't been much news from the past few days. Um, So this may not be the longest news section we've had in history. But nonetheless, we've had the first person to go public over their plans to buy Derby County. American businessman Chris Kirchner is the co-founder of global logistics company Slink.io. The 34-year-olds had to prove that he has at least £100 million and the administrators say they've received a fully funded and credible offer. But for Derby fans, Justin, this is exciting news, isn't it? it it's exciting news with a pinch of salt, isn't it? It's I'm, I'm very, very happy, but I'm also, I also remember Eric Alonso. And that's, that's that just sticks in the back of my mind every time new owner comes forward. To, to be fair, to to be fair though, I don't think he ever had a fully funded credible offer did he i don't think he, well he was never credible um but i think the positive thing <laughs> i think the positive thing here is the administrator taking um charge of finding a new owner which means i don't know they just seem a, a better option than mel morris cause obviously mel morris's track record uh, i don't want to try to get us in trouble but <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna bleep that out um but carry on just <laughs> Okay, some characters that... No, no, just stop, just stop, just stop, just stop. (laughs) Move on. Anyway, yes, um, I'm happy. I mean, he's saying the right things, but as I say, with a pinch of salt, because Eric Longso said the right things as well. But as you you quite rightly said as well... um, He's got credibility. This this guy has, which is which is fantastic. Um, I think Simon Jordan spoke up, spoke him up. Which again, I don't think is the best indictment because he's um, he's got it wrong in the past, to, to, to say the very least. But it's it's positivity nonetheless. It's it's movement. It's people interested in buying a club that is genuinely a massive basket case over the last couple of years. Yeah, well, Wayne Rooney has welcomed Kirshner's interest, saying he was at the game last week. I spent a bit of time with him. He's got some really good ideas. He's a very good businessman, and I'm sure he wouldn't be putting his name to a public statement if he didn't mean what he was trying to do at the club. The interesting thing is the owners, or the administrators, I should say, have said they're looking to narrow it down to three potential buyers uh, by New Year, aren't they? Which for anyone who's thinking oh January transfer window that's alarm bells ringing Um, because if Derby do head into that January transfer window still an administration then there could be a fire sale but if they have this points deduction and 
potentially another points deduction, but they still managed to keep hold of their squad, then there's still a chance they could stay up. It's just whether they have a new owner in time by the January transfer window. But I'm not sure if this changes that. It's at least exciting news, nonetheless. But uh, he also tweeted on Wednesday morning that Nottingham Forest sucks, which is a, a very good way of getting yourself into the good books of Derby fans. I can tell you that for sure. Um, according to the betting, Justin, there's a new contender for the Cardiff job. Anthony Barry, who used to be Paul Cook's assistant at Wigan before becoming a first-team coach at Chelsea, where he still is now. He's also part of the coaching team with the Republic of Ireland. Um, Justin, I think this is another thing that's going to be taken with a pinch of salt because whenever someone makes big moves in you know, the betting markets, mm. it doesn't necessarily mean too much. It may just be someone's heard some sort of rumour, asked whoever to price it up and then they've lumped on £100 or something like that and the bookies have gone oh god someone might know something um, but on the other hand that rumour might just be absolutely bogus and not mean anything at all which it quite often does mean when it comes to managerial jobs but nonetheless um, he's a young coach isn't he and I think that's one thing we can say with Cardiff fans as we were just saying earlier with Steve Morrison that Cardiff fans are very keen to get a new fresh face into the club aren't they mm. and Anthony Barry I suppose or some sort of other young coach would be a good way of going about it no you're absolutely right I think um, Anthony Barry he's been linked with a couple of jobs in the past and I think he was interviewed for I, I want to say Ipswich uh, I can't remember off the top of my head so I might be making that up but he's one of those names that gets linked with jobs fairly often um, and he's got uh, like Steve Morrison he's got a very good pedigree from a coaching perspective it's obviously just making a step up to managing a first team but it's it's a good direction it's a good link to have it's, it, it shows that there might be a clear shortlist I think Michael Flynn's obviously one of those um, in that category as well a young vibrant coach lot to offer Steve Morrison another one so yeah it's, it's a, a, a step in the right direction you'd hope from Cardiff Here's a question for you. Over the last few days, obviously it's been a few days now since uh, the news broke that McCarthy's been sacked and we've had a bit more time to think about it. Are there any other managers who you've thought of which you think would be a good fit for the Cardiff job? I'll be honest with you, Ryan, I haven't given it a second thought. I, I saw Mark Hughes linked with it. That would be interesting because I think, again, Mark Hughes as a manager has still got a lot to offer. I do, I do rate him. I think that Southampton spell was a disaster, but I think... I think if there's no one else willing, he might be worth a shout. Um, Robert Page is an interesting one. I saw him linked as well. He's done a very good job as Wales interim boss. Um, so I think he'd be another really good shout as well. But I don't think there are too many. It's too hard to predict because I could say a tiki-taka style manager and it not fit the bill. It just doesn't seem right. He wouldn't get the best out of that squad there, like you've mentioned in the past. So it's very hard to throw names in the mix because... You don't know what direction Cardiff are going in. Well, that's that's the thing I keep saying to Cardiff fans. It, it's all well and good wanting a young, fresh manager. I completely understand that. But other people who are saying they want a different style of play, you can't really do it with this Cardiff team because it's all well and good asking, you know, a carpenter to um, make make something but if you don't give him the right tools then he's not going to be able to make it and at the moment 
the Cardiff team is only suited to one style of play. You can't ask Aidan Flint to play out from the back. You can't say to Marlon Pack and Will Volks, oh, I want you to be playing quick triangles around the midfield. You can't be saying um, to Kiefer Moore, I need you to play as a false nine. It's just not going to work. So unfortunately, unless you go for someone who's not as direct as a Mick McCarthy, for example, um, that's the only way you can really transition out of this. You've got to go for a direct long ball manager or at the very least someone who is direct but not route one. A manager who fits that mould, for example, would be Alex Neal. Someone who's not route one but is direct, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Someone someone amongst that mould. But unfortunately for Cardiff fans, anyone who's wanted to see a, start, a different style of play, I just don't think you're going to see it because it just won't work, unfortunately. I'll tell you a manager who I did think of who completely passed me by and I don't know why he did. Um, but he ticks all the boxes for me. Young manager, um, suits the style of play that Cardiff need. And that's Gareth Ainsworth. I think he'd be a fantastic shout for the job because... A lot of Cardiff fans were saying to us there wasn't that rapport between, you know, Mick McCarthy and the fans. Gareth Ainsworth is he is a fan favourite at Wickham and he's the kind of manager who fans would get behind because he's such a nice bloke, he's completely honest. And I think Cardiff fans would really, really respect that. And he's been, you know, calling for, you know, a step up in job for quite some time hasn't he and I think Cardiff would really suit him. Because he's got the players there. Um it's the kind of platform where We've spoken about Cardiff's financial problems. He's worked at Wickham where they've had plenty of financial, well, not much, not really financial problems, but not much money to work with, I should say. Um, and he's been doing wonders, hasn't he? So I think Gareth Ainsworth mm. would be a really good shout for the job and someone that Cardiff should really consider if Cardiff fans don't want, you know, the old fashioned Mick McCarthy, uh, Chris Hewton kind of managers, someone young and who needs to be given a chance. I think it'd be a great shout. Um, let's move on, Justin. Former second tier favourite Matty Cash is going to be playing for the Polish national team. He's been granted citizenship there and qualifies through his mum who was born there. Um, I only included this because we were so low on news this week, Justin, <laughs> but I thought it was quite interesting. Matty Cash playing for Poland. Yeah, the, I mean, Poland are a top, top side at international level. One of the sides that I think go under the radar in terms of the quality of players that they've got. But yeah, that's it's, it just goes to show that um, there, there are a lot of hidden gems amongst, uh, well, in, in football, aren't they? Because if Matikash can play for Poland because he qualifies through a family member, yeah, who else can play for who? It's, it, it just opens the, the door up and shines a light on the EFL as well because, as I say, there'll be a lot of players under that um, category so yeah fantastic news and it, yeah he's a very good player and I'm looking forward to seeing how, how he supplies Lewandowski yeah I'm a big fan of Cash and um, he's one of them who I think I, I'd have liked to have seen play for England um, mm. and it, it's got to be said you know um, that well the problem is with Matty Cash being a right back is England have got an abundance of right backs and it Very always irritate backs. it always irritates me when you know England lose out on a player being a proud England fan uh, seeing a player go off to play for another team when they were eligible for England but he's not going to play for England is he because you've got mm. you know an abundance of right backs and many of them are still younger than Cash so he's he's not going to get a chance unfortunately but well done uh, and good luck playing for Poland Matty um, Bristol City coach Keith Downing has now left the club it comes after Paul Simpson also departed last week you mentioned that earlier Justin losing two rather big name coaches in the space of a week is interesting I've been trying to dig a bit further to see 
what the meaning of all this is, but it's all a bit mysterious about what's really happening here. So want to keep an eye on nonetheless and the final bit of news justin is five substitutions in football is set to become permanent it's been proposed at the international fa board panel meeting today and has been strongly supported now obviously this was a main fixture in the afl last season when we had coronavirus or what have you um, but it looks like it could potentially be coming back to the championship very soon justin what do you think about that i don't i don't think it needs to does it i think this, I mean, is this a way of trying to get us to agree to a World Cup every two years? Plenty of players having rests, etc. I don't think five subs is necessary. And it's all right when fans aren't in the ground. Uh, I, I, go, I go back to our watching spectacle. It's all right when fans aren't in the ground. You've got three three subs um, or, or five subs each. It, it just stops the flow of games massively because when you're watching it on telly, you can go to the toilet. You can make yourself a cup of tea. You can... You know, when when all that's cracking off, you can just zone out. Whereas when you're at the ground, you start to get on the backs of everyone and time wasting and all this. I don't think it's necessary. I I think it's a ploy to get us to think about having two World Cups every year. I'm not a fan of it at all. I think you're thinking too deep into it. I don't. Really I never care. am. <laughs> I don't really care if there's five substitutions or not. To be quite frank, I think I think it does suit certain managers. And Mr. Ishmael may particularly be keen to see it introduced back into football very soon. I don't think it really matters, to be quite honest. And footballers, we keep talking about how many of them are burning out. If this goes some way to stopping it from happening, then I'm all for it. Right now, it's time for this. All right, all right. Settle down, you lot. It's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. You're absolutely right, Mr. Bartender. This is the game where Justin and I try to guess a mystery championship legend. This week, it's Justin's turn to give me six clues on a player who's made at least 200 championship appearances. I've just got to guess who thou is. Uh, the score currently is 3-2 to myself. I've got a chance now to regain my two-point lead as long as Justin doesn't come up with some cropper of a championship legend. But we'll wait and see on that front. Um, Justin, can you give me the first clue, please? I can, and I will take offence to that because I disagree entirely. Anyway, straight to the clue. I've made 208 appearances, scoring 23 goals. That sounds like a midfielder. 208 appearances is just over the threshold. So just. I'm, I'm curious on that front. Um, I'll go with Carlos Edwards. Carlos Edwards was playing championship football for about 40 years. No, he wasn't. 100% he was. Yes, he was. He was at no. Millwall, Sunderland. Anyway. So you're I saying it's guess. right. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, no. it is not Carlos Edwards. I made my debut in English football in 2000 when I signed for Fulham, only making 16 appearances in two years. Corley Wood. No, I was going to say Corley Wood. Whoa, Corley 2000. He'd, been, he'd have been oh, six yeah. years old. Oh, that was a nightmare, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I got that so completely guess. wrong. I was just thinking Fulham and someone who's not played very much, but yeah, that's completely wrong. Next next clue. Next clue, please. I moved on to Preston where I spent three years playing for Craig Brown and Billy Davis before leaving on a free. Despite wanting to stay, there's a bit of controversy between us when he was released. Okay. Fulham to Preston. I, I don't think the Fulham thing is going to help me at all, if I'm being honest. Um, it's a bit of a red herring. Yeah. So I'm going through Preston players and I've got to say I'm struggling. Um, I'll go for somebody like Paul McKenna. Did he start off at Fulham? 
I don't I don't think he did, but Paul McKenna's up there in terms of appearances in the championship as one of the highest. Mm. Okay. I moved on to Leeds where it's I It's not Paul McKenna hit. then, is it? It's not Paul McKenna. <laughs> <laughs> Get the hint. <laughs> I, I moved on to Leeds where I gained cult hero status winning player of the season as they were relegated to League One just the fourth non-UK base player to win the accolade really really yeah surprised really? me really the fourth non-UK player played for Leeds the only player who's coming to my head and I don't think it's right is Patrick Kisnorbo, but I don't think he played 208 games for Leeds, uh, for the Championship. In, oh, it's not Patrick Kisnorbo, but that's a good guess. Because he scored a few goals as well. How many clues have I got left? You've got two clues left. Okay. I'm known for my versatility down the left side, as well as being a set-piece specialist. Play for Preston, then went to Leeds. I, I'm, this isn't helping me much. I'd, I'd have quite liked to know what other clubs he played for, to be quite honest. Unless it's really obvious in the last clue, and that's why you're saving it till last. Is it Eddie Lewis? Oh, get lost! (laughs) (laughs) A light bulb just went it off in my head after that last one there. That is a banging shout for me. I'm buzzing with that. But Eddie Lewis, the former American international, wasn't he? He was a fairly handy player at Championship level. He was. um, Yeah. Well, he only played for played for Fulham. Um, made a handful of appearances then was amazing at Preston very good at Leeds and he was absolutely hopeless at Derby Derby would mm. have been an obvious one because he was a disaster and it's one of them players that I just associate with a very poor period of football um, but yeah that's a very good shout I didn't think you were going to get it I tried to make the clues easy without easy but vague I was struggling I was struggling until that light bulb moment went off in my head I'm surprised he made 208 championship appearances though, I've got to say I thought it had been more but I think that two years without making too many appearances would have just helped him back because he's an ever present for Preston and Leeds but that mm. was for five years I think yeah he, he's one of those players who despite him not being very good at all of his clubs he he's always got a fun place in my heart do you, the, do you want the last clue? I yeah, think it, might have, it might have been. I finished my career in 2010 at LA Galaxy, and I'm now the founder founder of Tokaball, which is essentially a small ball that helps youngsters improve their technical skills. Yeah, oh, that's nice. So he, he was, yeah. his career only lasted for ten years. No, no, no. He he joined Fulham when he was like 24, I think. He was, oh, you said started his career in English football. I made my debut in English football in 2000. Oh, I was thinking players who came through the academy. You're right, you're right. I should have listened. I should have listened. Yeah. I completely apologise, Justin. Uh, but that means I'm now 4-2 up as things stand in the Craig Bryson pub quiz for the season. Justin, still not able to gain any ground on me as things go, but we'll try again next week, shall we, Peachy, my boy? Uh, right, Let's that go. brings us to an end of the second tier podcast for this midweek episode. We'll be back again on Sunday to look through all the championship games from the weekend Justin we've got a bit of time what are your plans for this weekend I've, I'm having a housewarming which you're invited oh yeah to. oh yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so, uh, uh, it's 80s themed into 80s themed fancy dress I've uh, yeah. ordered my outfit I'm not telling you what it is you can find it on the second day of Twitter at the weekend ladies and gentlemen <laughs> what uh, the fancy dress is because you'll inevitably get a picture when I'm drunk um, but yes I've um, ordered my outfit it's come yesterday I'm very happy with it uh, have you sorted out what you're dressing as yet 
I have, yeah. I, I won't tell you. It's not as uh, oh. extravagant as what you might you might be wearing. It's it's quite an easy one. That's been My, mine is not extravagant at all. I'm just looking at it right now. It's uh, <laughs> it, it's as simple as it gets. Um, but at the same time, I might get a few laughs. That's what I'm going to say. Um, let's end it there, shall we, Justin? This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Thank you.